Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. On today's podcast, we are going to be hearing from Dr. Mike Myers, who is the founder and headmaster of Dayspring Christian Academy located in Montville, PA. Mike's going to share with us what it's taken him over his longstanding career in academia to pay the price of leadership. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast. This one's titled Leaders on Leadership, where we talk with leaders in various organizations and kind of pull back the curtain on leadership. And today, I have the tremendous pleasure of speaking with and interviewing Dr. Mike Myers. A little bit about Dr. Myers. After attending Regent University, Mike founded Dayspring Christian Academy in Montville, Pennsylvania, in 1987, where he has served as the headmaster for 33 tremendous years. Mike is the author of the book, It's Time to Remember America, based on his radio spot, Remember America, which began airing in 1993 and still continues. Mike champions the principal approach, and he's going to tell us a little bit about that, to education at Dayspring and Bryan College and the Foundation for American Christian Education. So I want to welcome my tremendous friend, Mike. Mike, thank you for taking the time to share your views on leadership with us. Well, you are very welcome, Tracy. I'm glad to be with you. Uh, Every time I'm with you, you inspire me. So I'm looking forward to this. Right back at you, Mike. And for our listeners, we go way back with Mike. Um, We have been affiliated with Dayspring Christian Academy since I got back to the area. Uh, My uh, pups of publishing, uh, Mr. Blue, Ruby, Roscoe, Indigo, have shared with his uh, youth in chapels. And uh, it's just been a privilege. We go to the Remember America uh, series that happens every spring. This one will happen in the fall. If you haven't uh, heard about that, Mike will tell you at the end how to um, get in contact with him. But Mike, Tell us about the principal approach real quickly, because I want you to share with people your context of where you're coming from. So uh, this is where your um, perception of leadership and the flip side of leadership, kind of pulling the curtain back on, is going to come from. Okay, thank you. And I, I will go ahead and start back at the beginning when I was a public school teacher for about 10 years and ended up going to Regent University to get my master's degree. I was on the administrative track at the local public school district, uh, but I wanted to try a Christian university. And while I was there, I was exposed to the principal approach to American Christian education. I'd never heard of that. Honestly, I was not even a proponent of Christian education at that point. I was all in for public schools, but the Lord had something else in mind for me. And when I started learning about the principal approach and I realized, first of all, it is based entirely upon God's word. The Bible is the foundation and it's called the principal approach because what we're doing is teaching children to reason from biblical principles and apply them to every subject area. Mm -hmm. Uh, The school setting is a perfect greenhouse to be able to do that. You have all these uh, subjects, uh, but for children to begin to discover God created this subject. This isn't something the man invented. Mm -hmm. And he spoke principles into existence at creation. Uh, They're like laws. You know, we call them, you know, scientific laws or physical laws. Mm -hmm. And they came from God. Right. And, And when we understand what these subjects are all about and how God uses them to 
let us learn about him and also to extend his kingdom, it just changes education. It, it brings it back to the very heart of, of who God is and what he uh, requires of us. And so that's what got my heart. And then the other piece of it is it's really America's historic biblical method of education. Mm-hmm. It is the kind of education that took place here in America from the coming of the pilgrims, which by the way, this is the 400th anniversary of the coming of the pilgrims, which is an exciting thing. Uh, But all the way up into the mid 1800s, it's just the way education was done, whether it was in the home, which a lot of it was in the home or in churches or in schools. It was the way we recognize that the Bible was kind of the framework for life. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean that everybody, you know, was a practicing Christian, but there was this understanding that there's a God in heaven, there's personal responsibility, and uh, character was important. So the principal approach brings all those things back into the curriculum, things that have unfortunately been systematically removed from American education for about 150 years. Right. So we're all about getting back to those biblical principles upon which our nation was founded because the founding generation actually reasoned from biblical Christian principles to form the liberties that we enjoy today. Right. They're connected. Absolutely. And it's, it's order. I mean, heaven was made orderly. And when we see disorder in the world, it's because we're going against these universal truths. I just read a book called the, um, uh, the humble leader. Oh, I can't. Um, John Templeton, big financial advisor, uh, the humble approach or something like that. And his whole thing was hundreds of years ago, theology was the queen of all the sciences because it was where universal truths and there are universal laws of life, just like physics. But everybody's like, nah, theology. And it's like, no, 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 no. You can't have natural laws and not spiritual laws because we are spiritual beings. And so it was very interesting how, you know, hundreds of years ago, that was the number one science was theology. And how the further we drift from that, then we think we're creating knowledge. No, we're just discovering it. And I love that approach about how you said the truth is out there. It's our job to discover it. And when we start creating it from our own broken or egocentric mm-hmm. ways, it that that's definitely not good kind of thing. So thanks, well, Mike. Destroying yeah. our our world and our culture. Yes, the whole postmodern view of whatever truth you have, that's your truth. Right. Can't work that way. That's pretty disjointed because we're yeah. It's called the humble approach. That's the name of the book, and it's really it's really wild. I mean, it just blew my head away. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. All right, so now let's get back to this. Dad wrote a book. My father wrote a book called The Price of Leadership, and he talks about you know we know leadership is a beautiful thing, but there's it's also it will cost you something just like everything else. You know, you're a Christian, we love Christ, but there's a cost to following Him. So just like with anything else in great in life, there is a cost, but it's a beautiful cost. So the first price that my father talks about in leadership is uh, loneliness. And he talks about, you know, there are going to be times when the leader has to step out on their own. And, uh, you know, my father's favorite line was, you never see a monument in a park dedicated to a committee. And every time, you know, there's going to be times where you're just going to have to say, you know, look up at above and say, you know, I'm going to move because I know I'm supposed to move. Can you talk to me about times in your leadership career where you felt lonely or how you deal with that? Because a leader is a separate entity. You can't have two in a box. And although we're surrounded by great people, the weight of leadership rests on the leader and pretty much the leader alone. So could you share your thoughts on that with us? 
Absolutely. And I'll go back to the beginning of the school because that was the first real test for me when I knew in my heart that there was something better out there in education mm. and that I wanted it for my children. That was, mm. that was like the real impetus because when I realized there's no way I can take what I've learned back to my, the government schools mm-hmm. and bring God's word to bear and all that, I knew that I, I've got to find a school like this for my kids. So I came back to Lancaster County because I knew there were plenty of Christian schools here mm-hmm. and I wanted to see, are the, you know, maybe they're already doing this because uh, I wasn't really planning on starting a Christian school. But I found out that they weren't, that it really wasn't what was the norm. And so I thought, I'm going to have to do something about this. And, and I wasn't necessarily popular there were people that pushed back against it because well, there are already plenty of Christian schools or mm-hmm. you need to have your kids in public school. But Tracy, it's always been this way for me. When I know in my heart, this is what God has called me to do. Then I just do it. I just yeah. say, okay, I'm pushing through and he'll work it out. Mm-hmm. And he always has. I'm not saying it's easy to do that. Sometimes I have to struggle to get to the place where I know this, this is what God says. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so when you have that calling, I mean, you hit on the main thing, he'll work it out. And I think sometimes as leaders, we're like, well, if nobody's following me, you know, you're, if, well, if, if you don't have followers, you're not a leader. Okay, but there are going to be times where you may be the only one that got the call initially. Now, yeah, then he'll work it out because he knows you, you don't do it on your own. But I think that's interesting that um, then you said he works it out, but you just got to take the, the step out. Yeah. Right. He'll provide the next steps for you. All along the way, we have to be responsive uh, and take responsibility. He, it's not just say, okay, well, God will work it out. I'm just going to sit here and wait till all the people show up. Right. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. Right. Absolutely. And I think so, some of the other people that we've talked to says, you know what, it'll probably be a time where you may be on your own. It shouldn't be like years because otherwise then there's something not right. But there may be a little bit of a lag of a couple days, a couple weeks, maybe in a couple months until everything gets lined up according to the divine purpose and you've got the right people in the right seats. Uh, but you just got to stay, you know, don't, don't turn away from the call when you've received it. Right. You know, you've gotten so far. So, you know, hearing it is, I think, the most incredible thing of all, because I think once you hear it, then you don't feel so lonely because, you know, whatever else happens, I know what I heard. And, you know, when it comes from God, that kind of removes all the human aspect of, well, it doesn't matter. I heard what God said kind of thing. And, you know, I, I come back to that place many times over these 33 years. I go back to when I know in my heart God is speaking to me and I felt his call upon my life. Mm-hmm. That's what gets me through the rough times is that now I remember God did call me to this. It may be hard, but I didn't miss him on this. And I have a lot of lessons to learn. That's part of the process. You know, you, you learn as you go through the difficult challenges. I'm so glad you brought that up because that calling, like when I got the calling to come back after dad was transitioning to heaven, I had a very clear call. And I'll tell you what, there are times when I'm sitting there going, there's no, just no way I'm done. And I just, I always go back. I revert back to the call 
And even you may have people around you for a time and then they may go away and you may be needing for the next wave, the next generation of people to come. So thank you for saying that. It's not just in the beginning. That call will, will sustain you for 33 years. And my call has sustained me for 12 years and hopefully will another 12, you know? So thanks for sharing that, Mike. Um, the second price that my dad talked about is weariness. All right. And you, as you said, it's hard. And, and my father brought out that if you're ever going to be doing something worthwhile, you're going to have people that do more than their share and ones that don't. So how do you build the strength, the tenacity? I mean, we pray, we have the spirit of God in us, but my gosh, we're physical beings. How do you focus on um, the weariness of leadership and what do you do to combat it? And, and what's some advice you can give to us? One of the things that again, that I go back to often when I get into that place. And I think the older I get, the more quickly I get physically mm -hmm. weary, which, you know, is disappointing yeah. uh, because, uh, you know, I think how in the world did I used to do this? <laughs> but I, I just, I look at King David actually before he was King, but he's one of my prime uh, inspirations from scripture. And there was a time in his life when he was uh, struggling, uh, you know, running from King Saul and the, all those kinds of things, and kind of got into a really difficult place with his own people that were around him, and they mm -hmm. were abandoning him and getting ready to, to stone him even. They were so upset with mm -hmm. the way things had turned. And scripture says that at that moment, David strengthened himself in the Lord, or mm. he encouraged himself in the Lord. So a long time ago, I really zeroed in on that and just kind of studied, well, what, what would that look like? What does that mean to, to strengthen yourself in the Lord? And the more I, you know, prayed and looked and read scripture, the more I realized it, it's a, a variety of things. Certainly it's going to God's word and, and reading and, and being encouraged by that, but it's also uh, listening to music, mm -hmm. singing that's uplifting, that, that ministers to your spirit. It's also remembering God's faithfulness in your life. Mm. And you, you go back and, yeah, I know, I've been in bad places before, but God has brought me through. And you, you start feeling ready to go again. Uh -huh. Absolutely. So that's worked for me. I love that. And my dad had that as one of his therapies of life music. My father just, no. that was, that was one of the biggest things for him. In addition to books was music, the therapy of music. Yeah. No. Awesome. I, I, I'm a great fan of Pandora. Uh-huh. <laughs> have all these stations and depending, you know, today I feel like Maranatha music, you know, I yeah. want to go back to some of the old ones or now today I'm going to do Michael W. Smith, uh, his station. And it just feeds my soul. Yes. So. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And it is good to share. You know, we all get, we all get weary and uh, Christ got weary and, and, and that's okay. And I love you sharing that about David. Boy, we, we read uh, five, five Psalms. Somebody gave us uh, a devotion and we read five Psalms and one proverb every day. And boy, you look at what David went through where he's on top of the world and then he's hiding. Please God, I'm done. Uh, the goose is cooked. Save me from my enemies. And it's like, oh man, that really gives me, if King David went through it, who was the apple of God's eyes it, and he got through it, 
it, we're going to get through it. So thank you for sharing with the listeners who your who your hero as far as weariness is. Mm-hmm. Um, the third price Dad talked about was abandonment, and he said that you need to abandon. We need to abandon what we like to think about and what we want to think about in order to focus on what we ought to think about and what we need to think about. How do you, you probably get a million things, a million emails, a million parents, a million changes. How do you stay focused on what you need to stay focused on and abandon what you don't need to focus on? I I wish I could say I really have victory in that area. (laughs) It's a struggle. Email is like... (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll say it nicely as a challenge to me because I could literally spend all day answering emails because they just keep coming. You answer one and then you get the (laughs) response. And it it is so hard for me because I'm kind of fastidious about this, that I like my inbox to be empty. Uh, At the end of the day, I don't want things hanging over me, but I am learning to discipline myself. And that's Mm -hmm. what it comes down to. Sometimes we have to discipline ourselves, recognize our problem, and then govern ourselves and say, you know, after, and I'm really pushing for after five o'clock that I won't, do emails. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten there totally yet, but I'm starting because what happens if you don't do that, if you don't discipline yourself, then things are going to come in and you're not going to be able to rest at night. That's what was happening to me because an issue would come up at nine o'clock at night because I want to get my inbox clean before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. But it would be some kind of a problem or a dilemma. Then I carried that to bed with me and I would be oh yeah wrestling all night with that. And you got to have your rest. So, people, you know, people have to understand we are in physical bodies and we get tired. We get weary physically. And so we have to look at what is causing that. Mm-hmm. How can I mitigate that in, in any way? And some of that is uh, trying to eat healthy, mm-hmm. get exercise, you know, lots of fresh air. Sometimes those things can't happen, but you still have to learn how to put the brakes on Mm -hmm. and be refreshed in your mind, reading something that is pleasurable instead of, you know, reports and things like that. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's a challenge area for me. So thank you for bringing that up. Well, that's a really good tip because even last night something came in late and I'm just sitting there on the phone. So I'm checking emails and I'm, I'm on duty 24 seven. I was in the military. You know what I'm saying? I'm a doctor. I'm always on call, but something came in late at night and it kind of triggered me. And so I had terrible dreams. I, I, I didn't wake up. I woke up every hour and I'm like, and that's so smart. Even though you can look at it, don't, you know, just, just let it go until the next day because you need that time where you're just clearing your mind and, and resting. So I, I really appreciate that because people are like, what are you doing answering emails at this? And I'm like, well, because I'm on it, but that's not, that's not always a good thing. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Thanks. And then the fourth price that my father talked about was vision. And he called vision nothing more than seeing what needs to be done and then just do it. So how do you grow in vision? I mean, you've been doing what you're doing for a long time, but you know as well as I do, every day we have to recreate and expand the vision to what the next vision is going to be. How do you gain grow in wisdom or how do you gain clarity in, in vision? Yeah, it's funny because uh, my reputation around here uh, is 
you know, watch out, Mike is thinking he's coming up with the next thing here. <laughs> but, uh, because, you know, there's so much to be done. There, mm-hmm. there's so many avenues, so many, you know, our world is in such need that we can't just sit back and say, okay, I, I'm at a good place. And I'm going to just rest here. I, I don't think that that's what this life is about. That's not what God has given us life for, to sit back and enjoy cushy. There's there's joy and there's wonder and there's blessing. But it, it really is always saying, Lord, how can you use me today? Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. learning uh, what that really means. Because when you ask that, He'll let you know, <laughs> and it's going to involve people almost always. Right. And, oh, I love and people, that. Yeah, people uh, are the biggest challenge we have. Right. It's learning to live with one another. Living out the second great commandment is, to me, you know, Jesus put that as a high priority right under loving God with all your heart, is love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus later said, and a new commandment I give you, that you would love your neighbor even as I have loved you. Mm. Wow, that's a high bar, but that's the sum of everything. And so uh, I, I think just that compels my vision mm. forward uh, to, to know that I'm. It, this isn't about me starting a school, mm. building my own little kingdom kind of thing. It's about advancing the gospel here on earth because we have a heavenly kingdom in mind that that's where we're driving. So without that, I don't I don't know what I would do. If I didn't. Well, I mean, what a great thing. People are like, well, I don't know what to do, Tracy. I don't know what my vision is. And you struggle with vision. But I love that your vision will involve people. So if your vision statement is not oriented towards serving others, you know, you're missing, you're missing it. You know, yes, it's a vision, but it's going to be self-serving for, and that's certainly not what's going to make the world a better place. It may make you a better or more financially prosperous person, but uh, that can, you know, that's, that's, I've never heard vision explained like that. Thank you. And, And for anybody listening, I think that that's a wonderful way to look at your vision is if stuck on what to do, figure out the most way that you could do the most good for the most people and, and show them the love of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of vision, tell me about, cause I want to, I want to ask people, tell people how they can get in touch with you, but you're in a school, you're in a K through 12 school and we've all just come through this. You had a very disruptive, disruptive, um, end of year, but you're putting vision together. We talked about it before we started recording about how you're going back to the fall. So tell me about how that vision is unfolding. Well, we established a couple of weeks ago, a task force to really look at reopening because we decided we have to reopen mm-hmm. uh, enough of this. You know, when the conditions are ripe, we have to let people know that we're heading back mm-hmm. and, because we're about educating kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what has happened, very disruptive in kids' lives and learning and so forth. And I know a lot of good things have been happening at home, but I also hear from parents that the challenges and so forth that they're facing. So we decided we're going to put together a plan and we're going to put it out there in public so people know this is what we're thinking. We want to be responsible and we want to be reasonable in the things mm-hmm. that we do. 
Uh, it, it takes both. And as a non-public school, as a Christian school, we don't have some of the, the mandates that come heavily down on us that public schools would have, uh, which we're very thankful for that, uh, because that gives us the latitude to to set the government aspect aside and say, okay, Lord, what is it that we should be doing? We need wisdom from the medical sector. We need wisdom from the education. We need from facilities and cleaning sectors, all these pieces to come together so we can craft a viable plan to get our kids back in school. And that's what we're doing. I love it. I love it. Now, Mike, tell people how they can get a hold of you or find more out about Dayspring Christian Academy. Best thing is just go to our website, dayspringchristian.com. Excellent. And you learn all about the principal approach and come check us out. We've started to give tours again of the building uh, for families. And there is an uptick in interest of people that are saying, you know what? I think now might be the time that we want to make a switch. So we're, we're excited about serving the families that God calls here. That's exciting. Well, Mike, anything else you want to share for our listeners on any uh, last minute thoughts or closing comments on leadership and your leadership journey? I, I just feel that people don't wait till everything is in place to take your first step take the step, then the Lord, he'll put ground under that step. And so I you love that step because that, if you wait, it may never happen. I love it. I love it. Faith. He'll put ground under it. Faith too. You, you step out in faith. Well, yeah. And that's how we fight weariness because he wants to do a lot of the heavy lifting. So you don't have to do it all on your own, you know, kind of thing. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I have got so many great insights from you and thank you to our tremendous listeners. We're so thankful that you decided to listen on leaders on leadership. Check out the links below uh, links to our site, uh, to Dr. Meyer's site as well, and have a tremendous day. Thank you for listening to tremendous leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.